0: Coming up on this episode of the MD and Chef
1: Team Show. Seeing a naturopathic doctor means that you are really exploring mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical aspects of yourself, your history, your parents' and grandparents' medical history, what the epigenetics and genetics have been of your in utero experience, signs and symptoms how someone is experiencing their feelings Mm -hmm. and then the treatment is such that we want to really support the wisdom of the body not to control it
0: welcome to the show from the the md MD and chef Chef team team. i'm dr isabel medical doctor here at the md and chef team and who are
1: you i'm chef michael culinary nutrition
0: expert i'm the chef part of the team And what are we going to talk about, babe? Now, I can say that because he's my husband. (laughs)
1: Yes. Well, then, we'll be talking about marriage, relationships, parenting, intimacy. We'll talk about mindsets of success, overcoming depression and anxiety. I'll be getting into functional nutrition, recipes and tips from the kitchen. And we're going to both get into how to live a long, healthy, vibrant life. Yes,
0: I love it. Our mission is to help you prevent and reverse disease and give you hope in the process. Oh, oh yeah, we, we like, like to, to have, have fun. fun too. So let's, let's get on with the show. Welcome everybody to the MD and Chef Team podcast. I'm Dr. Isabel, medical doctor here, and I am your host. And today we've got Dr. Wendy Lee White all the way from Oregon, USA. Welcome, Wendy.
1: Thank you. Very happy to be here with you.
0: Thank you. Now it is, you're in spring now? We are, yes.
1: We are just beginning our spring. So it's just starting to warm up and things are flowering already. So it's signs of hope are blooming. Oh, I love
0: spring. It's such Agreed. a beautiful time, especially coming out of winter.
1: Agreed. And you know, it's funny, I've always said there's such a, a push to do. Uh, New Year's Eve resolutions and things, and I always say up here in the northern hemisphere, like the middle of the dark, cold winter is not the time to be making <laughs> big, crazy life decisions and life, you know, changes. But the spring. You can just feel the change happening like this is the time to kind of ride the wave.
0: Yes, I love it. I love your approach. Now, I'd like to go ahead and introduce everybody to you and who you are. You're Dr. Wendy Lee White, a licensed naturopath doctor, that's M D at the non-diet HAES nutritionist, and she takes a natural cure approach to prevention and healing in her clinical practice, teaching and speaking. She has maintained a clinical practice since 2008 and taught at the graduate level since 2016. And in 2020, she was included in the Portland's Monthly's Top Doctors Naturopath category. I love it. And I love that you're still in private practice.
1: Yes, yes. And I think through this telehealth, I'm exploring more group programs, more online courses, but one-to-one is still 100% available. Absolutely.
0: Yes. Now, I wanted to ask you, what is the not what is what does the weight natural? I'm sorry, the weight neutral medicine or the H.A.E.S., which is the healthy at every size philosophy refer yeah. to. That's very intriguing.
1: I know it is. And it's a lot of what makes me unique as a nutritionist or, and a naturopathic doctor. So the Hayes philosophy is health at every size. And it's really about taking a weight neutral approach to medicine. It's not that we are saying that weight does not matter, but what we're saying is let's take the emphasis off of weight. Weight is not something any one of us as humans has the ability to control. While we can control all the habits we make in life, food, movement, sleep, chemical exposure, relationships, nervous system status, et cetera. And so Hayes says, you know what? Let's just table the idea that we focus on your weight. Let's look at all of the factors that you have control over. And let's try to live in a way that just feels well in whatever your body size may be.
0: I love it. We've got a lot of Pacific Islanders here in New Zealand and Mm -hmm. Maori, and they are very big boned.
1: None of us have an ability to be the weight in our minds, right? Like if someone is saying, oh, but I quote should weigh 10 pounds less, 15 pounds less, according to whom, you know, there, there isn't that, um, that guideline. And in fact, um, the association that really, it's so the professional association associated with health at every size. It's called ASDA, the association for size, diversity, and health. And ASDA made this great YouTube video called poodle science. Poodle science. Poodle science. And they use this idea of, we all have different body structures. Cause if we look at dogs, we don't expect one of the examples they use in this cute little video is we don't expect a Mastiff to be a poodle. No matter what diet we put the Mastiff on, he's still a Mastiff, not a poodle. And I I think it's really interesting that we can acknowledge how silly that seems when, with respect to dogs, but we as humans are the same way. We have this variety of muscularity, amount of padding, distribution of padding. I'm just in a thinner body. I was born this way. It's my genetics. And other people are just born in larger bodies and the pressure and the discrimination within our healthcare Mm. that people who live in a larger body experience day to day. Think of the amount of stress that they accumulate over their lives and think about the health impacts of that stress mm-hmm. maybe just maybe that's a significant fueler to their dysfunction or dishealth or dis ease just as much as any other inflammatory process
0: i i so love that philosophy because i have seen you know as, as a functional medical doctor i you know i look at people and i go and they're okay. They're overweight, but then you do their blood tests. They don't, and you for certain know that they've got to be pre-diabetic or type 2 diabetic, but their blood panels look amazing. You know? That's
1: a perfect example of there is just as much likelihood that a person in a thinner body can be unhealthy as a person in a larger body. We cannot make assumptions about someone's health by looking at them. And I think really that's one of the foundational tenets of health at every size is that we really can't make any assumptions. There are people with knee issues who are in thin bodies and larger bodies. There are people with high blood pressure in thinner bodies and larger bodies. Hmm. And we can't make any assumptions about looking at someone unless, yeah. you know, they're like turning green and vomiting, then we can make an assumption that they're ill, but, but body size does not have that connection.
0: I love it. I really, really do love it because as a con- trained as a conventional medical doctor, mm-hmm. we were so skewed into thinking, oh, you're fat, you're unhealthy. And if you're skinny, you're healthy. But we now you and I both know that you can be skinny fat. You know, Absolutely. you can be skinny on the outside, but on the inside, you are tremendously
1: inflamed.
0: inflamed. inflamed. Yeah.
1: yeah, And I think because the training is there within conventional medical, mm. the bias is there as well. And so um, there yeah. are a whole bunch of studies that really show that nurses, doctors, nutritionists make assumptions about those who live in larger, larger bodies. That they're lazy, that they don't take care of themselves, that they're lacking in willpower, rather than just looking at someone and asking them lifestyle and habit questions, asking them about motivation and mood, and really just, you know, giving them the open hearted care that you'd give anyone else without. I leaving. love it. Yeah. I love have you it. ever heard of the um, Harvard Implicit Bias Tests? No. So if you Google Harvard in Harvard University Implicit Bias Tests, oh. they have a couple of dozen tests, and you can choose which one to take. There's um, a weight test. There's a gender test. There's a um, like ethnicity test, and basically. These are psychological quizzes you can take online that help give you insight to your subconscious programming. Mm -hmm. And it's fascinating because the the point is not to say, oh, look, I am a racist. I didn't, I mean, you know, I'm giving that as an example. It's, It's important to answer the questions and go through the quizzes honestly, and then use that insight of, oh. Is that the first thing that I think of when I see a person who has X, Y, or Z? And I think it's important for us to, to really reflect on what our, you know, our knee-jerk reactions are because we might say, oh, no, I believe in health at every size. And yet if there's a subconscious bias, that might come out in our body language when we're working with a client, or it might come out in our phrasing, unless we're very mindful, so the more we can increase the awareness of what our what our biases biases are, then the less likely we are to project them onto other people.
0: And people, would you agree, can pick up on your thinking?
1: Absolutely.
0: You don't have to say a thing; they can pick up on what you're thinking. I mm-hmm. so believe that. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Okay, so Google, I will Google Harvard implicit bias test and take the tests.
1: Mm -hmm. They're fun. Yeah. And, you know, there's, um, I had a lawyer in one of my psychology of eating classes. um, And he said, you know, those tests aren't admissible in a court of law. And I said, okay, you know, I'm not saying they're 100% concrete, black and white. Mm -hmm. I use them as information. They are studied, they're being vetted. And it's information, if it resonates with you of, oh, I think I am a little more biased than I was aware, then that's just opening your mind. I don't need them to be, I don't need them to hold up in a court of law. Right.
0: And it's good for medical practitioners at any level to take those tests.
1: Absolutely. The more we can be aware of our automatic patterns, Mm -hmm. the more likely we can be to pause and interrupt the knee-jerk reaction that would be the result of our automatic patterns.
0: Very good. Very good.
1: I'd like you to um, let
0: our audience know what it's like to go see a naturopath doctor.
1: Absolutely. So just like in any other field, there can be a wide variety of how your visit with a naturopathic doctor can go. And fyi it can be naturopathic or naturopathic it depends on the individual so both pronunciations are correct i tend to say naturopathic but sometimes naturopathic comes out of my mouth as well what did i say
0: naturopath or naturopath
1: naturopath but again both of them are correct it's just habit yeah um and so the philosoph- philosophical foundation that is different is that naturopathic doctors really believe that we're so well designed that we have this internal vital force that can heal itself? So when you see a naturopathic doctor, when they're really foundationally following the naturopathic tenets first, do no harm, heal, uh, identify, and treat the root cause identify the whole person, doctor as teacher. All of these are the naturopathic principles. And so seeing a naturopathic doctor means that you are really exploring mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical aspects of yourself, your history, your parents' and grandparents' medical history, what the epigenetics and genetics have been of your in utero experience, signs and symptoms, how someone is experiencing their feelings. Mm-hmm. And then the treatment is such that we want to really support the wisdom of the body, not to control it. So if someone often let's use um, let's use eczema or you know atopic dermatitis as an example. If someone's really struggling with these skin issues, in my mind, the skin is not the problem. It's an irritant in the system and the body is just showing us that it's irritated by manifesting on the skin. And so we can put topical things on the skin to soothe, but really when we address gut function and immune system balance and nervous system balance, we're addressing more of the root cause and helping the body to have all the information and support it needs in order to heal itself. And I also add, because I've had so many
0: patients with skin issues, and you talk to them about their stress. And I always say, okay, who's getting under your skin?
1: Absolutely. Because Because... our mind, body, spirit, (laughs) it's all connected. They're like, wow, doc. And I'm like, well, we
0: have to look at these things.
1: (laughs) We do. And you know, it's so often uncomfortable for people to hear those connections for people to really say, Oh, I I never thought that my, the way I'm living, you know, the pace of my life is affecting my health. And, and there is a range of how someone can practice between I'm more kind of on the end of lifestyle medicine, nature, cure, really using water, food, air, nature, breath, all of those foundational things. Mm -hmm. And the other end is more integrative or functional med, maybe more supplements might be used on this side of the the spectrum. Mm -hmm. But really, we're all doing it in honor of the fact that our bodies are amazing. No one really, um, no one thinks twice that when you physically break a bone, that the doctors put it in line so that when it heals, it heals straight. But no one really finds awe in the fact that our bodies can re-knit bones. And if we can re-knit physical bone, why couldn't we redirect a physiological pathway? You know, if someone says, oh, well, I have diabetes, I'm going to have it forever. Well, if your body created that diabetes, who's to say that we can't reverse the physiology to recover? And really, it's just having faith that the body is brilliant and it can do that.
0: And people can reverse pre-diabetes and type 2 diabetes.
1: Yes. Correct. And
0: yeah.
1: and they just to therapy. just
0: just to yeah. kind of just to put that in real quick, and mm-hmm. people can also prevent dementia, cognitive decline, and Alzheimer's.
1: Yes. Have you and read AK, Doctor Aka Type Three Diabetes?
0: Yes. Have you mm-hmm. read Doctor um, Dale Bredesen's book, The End of Alzheimer's?
1: I have not.
0: Oh, please, please read that book.
1: I will look for
0: it. He's been uh, reversing, he's been studying and reversing pre-diabetes, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, cognitive decline and early Alzheimer's. And now he's trained up about 1,500 naturopaths, medical doctors around the world, and I'm one of them, that we can actually help reverse pre-di um, uh, Alzheimer's and cognitive decline, so For the audience to let people know that you can, you do not have to live with pre-diabetes, type 2 diabetes. You don't have to live with high blood pressure. You don't have to live with cognitive decline, dementia, or Alzheimer's. This stuff is preventable and reversible.
1: Yeah, agreed. And I think it's, it's just so interesting that in our culture here in the U.S., we really have such a focus on... The external things that can quote save us, right? right. And really, um, one of the reasons my radio show's name was Tune Into Your Body, was the idea that let's let's flip that and let's really have greater faith that we are incredibly amazing beings, and that we can pay attention, know what we need, learn how to live in accordance with the fact that we're just fancy animals. And if we pay attention to, oh, as a fancy animal, I need movement. I need nourishment. I need connection with my tribe or larger community. If we pay attention to these things, it becomes so much easier to be well.
0: Mm.
1: And I'm not speaking about being rigid and about, you know, always having to make those quote, perfect choices No, like we're built in with resiliency. We have livers to detoxify for a reason. It's when we overwhelm our systems that we run into some problems.
0: Well put, well put.
1: We're pretty incredible.
0: We really are.
1: People know that, you know, I often say, I have faith that your body is brilliant And until you learn that you can have faith too, I have enough for both of us. And, you know, patients will come back and say, I heard your voice in my head saying that you had faith in my body. And I'm like, I still do. Do you yet? And sometimes they come back and say, it's coming. But really, like, I'm sad that we ever lost it. You know, we knew we were fabulous and amazing when we were young. Mm-hmm. It's sad to me that that gets overprogrammed by our culture. Yeah, I I think that's um I think that's a tragedy. I think that if everyone retained the ability to know how beautiful they were, I think we'd have very different medical care systems and very different um uh, epidemics or pandemics.
0: Well, as you can see, it, our system is in demise, not only in America but in New Zealand too. We don't have healthcare; we've got disease management. So, yeah, it's time. It's time for. It's time for a change, and that's what we're doing. It's just bringing about change, and empowering people. Right.
1: I agree, and the more people that we can reach, that can we can plant that seed to say, "Hey, there's another option. You can have faith. You can." find ways to support yourself that rely on yourself rather than an external something like the more people we can reach the better because then we'll be asking for it. And overall, you know, the, there's a, um, a marketing business mentor that I follow quite a bit in one of her, I'm sure she's not the first to say it, but she often says, a rising tide lifts all boats. And I think the same goes for, the, the more well I can be, the more I can facilitate that for others. They can mm-hmm. facilitate that for their friends and family. And then we have a community that is less symptomatic, less achy, less headachy, less mm. grumpy and anxious and all the things that come with being out of balance and unsupported.
0: Yep, very good. I'd love to hear what your story is, because everybody's got a story, and it's just important for everybody to know what your story is, because it helps them. People learn from our, from our pain. <laughs> and,
1: and my story is definitely two part. Um, one is mine, and one is my mom's. And so I'll start with mine. Okay. Super sickly kid. What What happened? My parents just said, from the day I was born, mucus was coming out everywhere. I had chronic ear infections, I had chronic constipation. Um, just I was just a sickly kid. I lived on amoxicillin at the it was the pink fluffy antibiotics that I drank throughout every winter of my childhood. and by the time I hit teens, I had pelvic concerns, like incredibly. Harsh menstrual cycles and cramps. I'd vomit every month with the pain. Mm -hmm. So I got put on the oral contraceptive pill. Went through anxiety and depression all through teens. Migraines, all sorts of skin reactions. I got to graduate school. I was under a hundred pounds. I'm five foot one, so I, I was wasting away. I was having chronic GI issues. I was losing weight. I was weak, getting migraines all the time. And I had an allergist, a conventional MD allergist Mm -hmm. who laughed and said, huh, you should publish your diet. Everybody wants to lose weight. Now I was in tears wasting away and she was making light of it and she had nothing to offer me. Nothing. I was off of. Wheat, potatoes, tomatoes, fish, nuts, soy, and chocolate. Plus or minus. I was wasting away and she had nothing to offer me. And I meandered through my 20s looking for what other options there may be. I found a holistic nutritionist. I found a chiropractor who did a little bit of functional medicine And then I discovered naturopathic medicine where everything just came together. I came home from that visit and my husband was like, because I was just like so fast and so excited of like, I found this amazing thing. And so I'm now in my late forties. I still have the same tendencies that I've had through my life because I am who I am. And yet I'm healthier now than I've ever been because I know how to tune in. I know in general how I need to live, how I can choose to live to allow my body to be my body. When I look at the genetics from which I come, Mm -hmm. incredible heart disease, incredible diabetes. My mom had a quintuple bypass at age 50. I'm only two years away from that. And really that began 21 years of her decline. And it was painful for her as well as for all of us who loved her. And she was mildly open to exploring natural means, but not really. And we had... um, you know, we had a mother daughter relationship in that it had its ups and it had its downs. And I remember one particular time where, um, she was, she had another cardiac event and we were in ICU with her between every one to three years for the last 10 years or so. And, um, we were on the phone shortly after that. And she was commenting of how she wasn't feeling well and and all of that. And And I made a comment that said, Mom, I'm having a hard time finding compassion for you because I feel as though you're suffering from natural consequences of all of your choices. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think of how painful that must have been for her to hear at how blaming I was for her situation. And This really goes back to the health at every size. Um, Lindo Bacon wrote a beautiful health at every size and body respect book. And I think that it's really unfair of us to put that amount of blame on any individual. We can look at our society and how our society sets us up for dis-ease, for giving away our power, feeling as though we have no choices.
0: Have you ever in your adult life thought, I don't want to get Alzheimer's? Well, if that's you, you are not alone. How would you like to learn how to prevent Alzheimer's right now, especially if you're over 40? Then pop on over to doctoronemission.com to get your three free gifts. And these include brain health. The Nutritional Guidebook to find out what foods are good and what foods are bad for your brain. The next is The End of Alzheimer's Masterclass. That's a video series. And the last is Secrets of Sleep, the ultimate guidebook. They're all yours. All you need to do is go to com, And that's doctor spelled long, D O C T O R onamission.com. And now back to the
1: podcast. So my target right now, my target population, I really want to work with people in their late 30s, 40s, where they're looking at their strong family history of diabetes and heart disease. And they're heading down that path. And they don't yet know that there's another way, but they're wondering if there is. That's who needs to see me, because mm-hmm. I know that we have the power to live, make choices in our food and movement and chemicals and all that stuff so that we don't have to follow in our family's medical footprints.
0: Absolutely. It, but And I want to empower everybody that you can choose at any age, okay?
1: <laughs> exactly. exactly. I'm resonating for that age group simply because it is often that like fork in the road. But that doesn't mean that once you've chosen one that you can't (laughs) U-turn.
0: That's right. And it's also because you're at the end of the 40s, so. Exactly. It's where I am. Yeah, it's your your space, girl. It's your space. Now, I want to kind of go back to you figured out how you were going to live. So how did you decide to like tell me what if you're okay with this, tell me, tell us, what does a day look like for you starting from, from the beginning? So,
1: whenever possible, I try to wake on my own. Now, oh boy. I, more, often nice. <laughs> than, more often than not, it's not possible, but I like to try to start my day that way. Mm-hmm. If I have to set an alarm, I do backtrack and make sure that I can get that eight to nine hours of sleep before I need to wake up. And do you um,
0: sleep eight to nine hours straight? I do.
1: Okay, well, well,
0: okay, well we're going to need
1: to share with everybody you know. how you do that, okay? Because yes. I'm really into getting everybody to sleep. <laughs> yes, I know, agreed. Because so much hinge on, hinges on not just our quantity, but our quality. Agreed.
0: And so um, many people think that it's okay to get four or five hours of sleep. They'll, they'll sleep when they're dead. And I'm like, oh, my god. <laughs>
1: It's just not, there's so much that's regulated while we're sleeping that it really has an effect on everything. I call our bodies like this big, crazy spider web where everything's connected to everything else and sleeps one of the big centerpieces. So I do try, I, even if I have to set an alarm, I don't, um, I set enough time that I have at least an hour and a half before I need to do anything. And that is to yoga or meditate to walk the dog, feed the dog, have breakfast with my husband, shower and dress. And then I, about an hour and a half after I wake up, I can begin something. Um, I'm always tweaking my weekly calendar so that I know that I have enough time that all the important things need to fit in. And important might be self-care for me, lunch with my husband. And I say lunch with my husband now because we're both working from home for this last year. And so, um, you know, we walk the dog three times a day at least. And so everything really is on a weekly basis kind of mapped out. And there's flexibility in that, of course, but there's the general guideline that really makes sure that I'm capturing everything that's important to me on the calendar. I often describe it as making sure you're, you're transferring your values to your calendar so that you're living in a way that's important to you. Mm -hmm. Um, I know what foods work better for me than others. I feel fabulous when I eat um, Indian food, legumes and vegetables and curries. I don't feel great when I eat too much dairy, wheat, potatoes, or tomatoes. Um, I know that I don't do well with um, intense physical movement. I do much better with walking, hiking, yoga. Um, with me in particular, when I do intense movement, I either need a two or three hour nap or I get a migraine.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, yeah. And so I, I think that, It's a dynamic process. I learn things about myself all the time. Um, I know that I can do really well with sweet things made with maple syrup, coconut sugar, or honey, but I don't feel great when I eat things made with cane sugar. Um, And all of these things are just things that I've learned about myself over time.
0: Yeah. And you've just gone on that journey and Mm-hmm. that takes time and patience and love and forgiveness it does yeah forgiving yourself of all that all the craziness we've done in our 20s and 30s i'm sorry buddy <laughs> <laughs>
1: you know like um are you familiar with the adverse childhood events buddy A- oh yes
0: yes absolutely
1: Um, So for the listeners who don't know, they looked at, I think it was the top eight or 10 kind of dysfunctional things that could happen in a kid's life and divorce or an incarceration of a parent or emotional abuse or things of that nature. Or mother being violently. Right. Mother being abused by a partner or by someone else in the household, all of these like you know, these terrible things.
0: And And alcoholism and drug abuse, just to mention a few.
1: Right. And, and they looked, you know, 25 years later at the likelihood of developing all these chronic diseases. And no surprise to me, because I see mind, body, spirit connecting to physical, that really, if you had um, you know, a certain number of these ACEs in your childhood, you were really more likely to have the um, chronic diseases in your adulthood. And so it's also about, like you said, looking, looking in the past and seeing what we, can, what we can kind of stir up so that it can get integrated and released or processed rather than just stored in our tissue. Absolutely. And I do encourage everybody to
0: Google adverse childhood experiences, and getting their number. And just to give you a little snippet of how that affected me, um, seven years ago, I tried to take my life twice in three days. I know, as a medical doctor, I mean, I had everything going for me. Um, I had stepped into my early 50s. I was loving life. We started Doctor on a Mission, and I just – I don't know. I I just became overwhelmed. Didn't sleep more than three hours over three hours every night for 17 days. Mm. I can share this story now because I'm so way over on the other side, and I had to go through my journey as you did to figure out okay what is going on. And yeah, it's a terrible place and. It's a terrible, terrible place. But I'm really grateful that I went through that place because now I can help so many people overcome anxiety and depression naturally. I was placed on antidepressants and the psychiatrist said, you're going to be on this for the rest of your life. And I'm like, okay, I'll do it now. But I know I'm going to figure this out. (laughs) (laughs) And one of the things on my journey was ACE. And when I look back, my number was four, greater than four. Anything greater than four people increases your risk of suicide by 1,200%.
1: Unreal, isn't
0: it? Unreal. So this is so, so important. And, of course, once you figure out what your adverse childhood experience is, because a lot of us just want to – drowned out with drugs and alcohol and sex and rock and roll and gambling and pornography. And um and you just you gotta do the hard work. And I encourage everybody to please go and do your adverse childhood experience. Get the number and start doing the work because it's so worth it.
1: Agreed. And that that work could look different for any given individual. You know, I've done I've done talk therapy off and on since I was probably 13 for yourself, mm-hmm. for myself
0: mm-hmm.
1: in, you know, every state I've lived in across the country. And, um, and I currently have a therapist who is a trained in sensory motor psychotherapy, which is really all about accessing stored information, kind of Bessel van der Kolk's body keeps the score philosophy. Yes. where your body storing things? And So it's a somatic experience of this therapy session, um, more connecting to the body, less just chit chatter. And, And every bit of therapy along my way has served a particular purpose. And I think I often talk with my patients about, okay, and who's your therapist? Do you like them? Do you feel connected to them? Because, as we're making life changes as we're looking at our childhood as we're dealing with the hypervigilant overstimulation of the world it's super helpful to have someone on board to help you process give you perspective we don't live in supportive communities anymore some of us do and wow congratulations but but we you know we don't tend to and i think Um, getting that added support can often be super helpful. And not everyone's open to it, right? Um, I've had patients say it's, it's in the past. It doesn't matter. It doesn't affect me. Right. We know scientifically (laughs) that that's just not the truth, but that's not my decision to make for anyone else. I can, I can tell them that there's science that says otherwise I can encourage them. I can maybe guide them to experience a little bit, but, there are some people for whom it's just too painful, and so therefore like that's their choice they don't they don't have to, but I do believe that it would have an effect on the rest of their health the, yes. rest of the, the health of the rest of their life.
0: Yes, I agree with you a hundred percent and also, Wendy, I just congratulate you for with your mom um, not bleeding into her disease, and what I mean by that is, yes, she had coronary artery disease. Yes, she did unwell, but you decided that that wasn't going to bleed into you. You weren't, that your mom's story was not going to be your story.
1: Yeah. And that took effort. Mm. Um, Yeah. I, when I was a child, I hid behind my mom. I had, I did not have my own identity until I was probably about 18 when I went that first year of college. Um. We, I was very much her mini me and it was a mindful decision and it was, it was rough for both of us, for me to break that pattern and to choose to do things differently. Um, I moved halfway across the country mindfully to, to, to get that, to work out um before I felt strong enough as an individual to then be able to to move closer again.
0: I understand that distancing really does help you detach.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You know, and I needed to, in order to really fully form myself as my own person to, to break the shadow, to break the connection of, I was automatically just following in her footsteps and, and I love her to pieces And I knew that that wasn't healthy for me and that I had to do something differently.
0: Bravo. Bravo. Because that was that was bold and courageous. And I congratulate you for that. Thank you. All right. Was there anything else you wanted to share before we land this plane?
1: No, I think we've covered all the really important things. And I, I hope that people really take away faith in themselves curiosity to find out how one can live in a way that promotes health with greater ease i think people assume that trying you know trying to be healthy is so effortful and and yucky and and i'm i'm here to say you know what like it doesn't have to be we can just approach it with curiosity and practice and discovery and we're all human. None of us is perfect. There's no expectation of perfection. It's all a process. Curious, learning process.
0: Right. We're not looking for perfection. We're looking for progress, right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <sighs> and for the
0: audience, you can find Dr. Wendy Lee White at www.drwendyleewhite.com. That'll be in the podcast link under this and you can also go to youtube and check out dr wendy lee white tune into your body and we'll go ahead and do all the you know all the links down below too to check out dr wendy on the move help and heal the world yes ma'am all right hey stay blessed and remain unstoppable it's been a delight talking to you wendy
1: Thank you so much. It was great to be here. Thanks, Dr. Isabel. You're welcome. Hello, Chef Michael here. If you enjoyed today's episode, we would love it if you subscribed to the podcast and left us a review.